In this episode, we're going to talk about steaming in space. Music! <laughs> Pictures podcast where we're going to talk about every movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me as always is Mark. I am reconsidering my top five. And Erica. Space Heels. <laughs> and <laughs> we're in the thick of Forbidden World Month. And so what better movie to talk about than 1982's Forbidden World? A galactic troubleshooter summoned to the forbidden world, held in an icy grip of fear by a weird biological mutation. Part alien, part human, all nightmare. Reproducing. This is an a priority high security research facility. Actually, it's a scientist's dream. That's right. 1982's Forbidden World, sponsored by the Strawberry Shortcake Consortium. Remember, it's better with whipped cream. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have it without whipped cream. I'm not going to have it without. Got to have whipped cream. You know, watching it again today, I was like, this is a universe where they are desperate for food. And they are spilling the strawberry sauce everywhere. It is all <laughs> over the place. They are some of them are doing a good job of keeping it on the cake. And some yeah. people just have it all over. I'm like, guys, every piece of food is precious. You can't waste anything. Yeah, but they guys. have a surplus of strawberry compote. Right. That's just right. Just a yeah. surplus of it. So like, much. we've been eating this shit for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this movie, Forbidden World, the whole theme of the month, directed and edited by Alan Holzman in his directorial debut. We have spoken to Alan a few times in this podcast, so if you're just joining us, go back, listen to some of those episodes. Uh, and But this is his first movie. He had gone through New World as an editor, did some second unit on a couple movies in what uh, Roger called the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking, and this is his first break at directing a whole movie himself um it's written by tim kernan who only wrote a couple other movies in general and not another one for new world though he did write this movie ghost warrior for empire pictures which i Hmm. really really want to watch (laughs) 
<laughs> just from seeing the bits and pieces of it, it looks amazing. The story, though, is by Jim Wynorski and R.J. Robertson. And this is one of Wynorski's first credits because at the time he was the head of New World's Advertising. Um, so, but he was, he submitted with R.J. Robinson the story idea, I guess, for this. And this is before he wrote Sorceress and yeah. Screwballs for New World. I would argue from a story standpoint, he really kind of shot his load on this one. And everything <laughs> after that was like, I, I got easier uh, things for later. Yeah. Because yeah. from a story standpoint, this is actually pretty complex. There's a lot of different elements to this movie. And I it, agree. Yeah. I was like, wow, Jim Wernarski did this? Like the sorceress guy, right? Did this? Right. Yes. But, yeah. you know, sometimes after you get over a real complex project, he just went easy straight for a little while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, he also, I don't think he wrote those, you know, Sorceress or Screwballs with R.J. Robinson. And R.J. Robinson comes up with those stories as well. Both of them then follow Corman to Concord New Horizons. And that's where Robinson would continue to write a screenplay specifically for Wynorski to direct as he turns into a, a, a director. Mm-hmm. Um, R- Robertson wrote the screenplays for Big Bad Mama 2. Not of this earth, Transylvania twist, haunting of Morella, um, before he passed away in 1994. So, is this R.J. Robinson, Wynorski? Is it Tim Kernan? I don't know, but you know, I enjoyed this. The script for this and the story for this, as Marcus saying, I agree. I, I liked I, it's pretty well put together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just wanted to point out that the DP of this is Tim Surstedt. He worked on a variety of New World productions before this as an assistant cameraman with films like the private eyes and prize fighter. And he will go on after this to shoot new world films like Android. In fact, he does Android right after this suburbia and stand alone. And he's continuing to work in uh, movies to this day as a director of photography, but this is where he got his uh, start. And this stars, of course, Jesse Vint, who we've already talked about in death's port and black Oak conspiracy which he did for New World before this. This is the last appearance he will make for New World, hmm. at least for our purposes in this podcast. Yeah. As he no, moves no, on, to, that was the last appearance ever. That's, that's all. We, this is it, it. That's the end. There's no other appearance Gosh, that, that really is of sad. note. Really sad. He went on to a bunch of TV in the 1980s, the occasional movie appearance. But something I found out that was interesting: he won the World Celebrity Chess Tournament in 1988, huh. which was held at the hmm. Century Plaza Hotel in Los Angeles. So. That must hey, have been a real barn burner. The rest of Hollywood's playing checkers, but Jesse Vint is playing chess, mm-hmm. everybody. Here's where you can watch Forbidden World. If you want to watch Forbidden World, there's plenty of places to do it. It's on Tubi, Pluto, Shout TV, Amazon's new channel, Freevee. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? I, I, I believe, and I don't know for sure, but I saw I saw like a commercial for it. Amazon's new channel Freebie, and I have to think that it's their answer to Tubi, but they also all have IMDb TV. So that to me seems maybe that's what they changed that to. They've changed that to Freebie. Anyway, just I, the movies streaming you, that you, you had, can also see. You had several meetings with a branding agency to come up with the <laughs> right. right name. Yeah, a lot of approvals, a lot of revisions, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Free freebie? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's TV, uh, but it's free. I'm sure I know, is what somebody I know. it's also on the nosy. 
Yep, it is. It certainly is. Now, we watched the uh, Shout Factory Blu-ray, which uh, includes the director's cut of this, uh, Mutant, which is what the the movie was originally called before Roger decided to outsource some titles to the local high school. Uh, But before we go any further and talk about this movie, we need to talk about what this movie is about. Mark, let's start with you. What is this movie about? There's no problem that can't be solved by good steam. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. This is the second movie that I've been able to say that. And I feel like, you know, these are these are two movies that may or may not end up in my top five for this year. Wow. Uh, For this year? Wow. Didn't we watch steaming last year? It's already. But I think I carried steaming into my top five already. It's in your top five now. Right. So there might be two steam heavy movies. Oh, in my top five. Wow. So 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 Forbidden World gets in, but steaming stays. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be interesting to find out. Uh, Erica, what is this movie about? I mean, Mark pretty much nailed it. I think, you know, the obvious only other takeaway is that, you know, when in, when you're in trouble, turn your robot back on, you know? I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, I think mm-hmm. the lesson for me was just maybe just leave the robot on all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Because... Yeah. <laughs> You know, turning it on in a pinch, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. So, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that was a takeaway from me. Leave your robot turned on. Um, for me, I, I felt like this movie was about the fact that, you know, in space, no one can hear you cheat on your boyfriend, but <laughs> with some other new guy, but they can watch it. Hmm. So... Yeah. <laughs> that's fair uh, you know yeah, something to fair. think about something to think about in the future audio is not as important no so but, just so but we cameras all... are everywhere mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. Mm-hmm. i sure. mean here's uh what letterbox said this movie is about if you are on letterbox we are as well so give us a follow there letterbox synopsis not too far off just to warn you guys sometimes they're a little bit wild but this one's not too crazy in the distant future a federation marshal arrives yes, at a yep. research lab was he mm-hmm. a marshal though yeah they bring that up yes okay okay yeah. oh yep. gosh i've missed that i just thought he was like a problem solver i mean but... the trailer does call him a troubleshooter but yeah exactly i mean he's i thought he was just no, like he's a, a marshal and, and he's there to yes. brainstorm because uh-huh. he's problems. in that battle in the beginning Right, and, right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. those are food raiders, though. I just thought that was just people. Because also, food is at a... can we talk about why did we need to open with that battle scene? <laughs> it doesn't seem to match any of the themes of the rest of the movie, unless right. you needed to fill about seven and a half minutes of time. Well, of course, <laughs> as Alan has explained to us, that he shot that opening to this movie before they knew what this movie was going to be. If you recall. Oh, they they yeah. uh, Alan was given the set to Galaxy of Terror because they mm-hmm. were about to tear down the 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 cockpit set where Grace Zabriskie yeah. sits and for most of the movie Robert England and so they were going to tear that down so before they did that's when Roger turned to Alan and said you want to make a movie right so why don't you I'll give you I'll give you a robot because Don Oliveira had come to Roger Corman with who who did, did special effects, and he created this robot suit. And he's mm-hmm. like, get, can I get this robot in mm-hmm. a movie? 
and then maybe I can lend this out to other things, I guess was his hope. And anyways, and then he said, I'll give you Jesse Vint. Um, Alan at the time thought that he, uh, Roger owed Jesse a movie. So here's your, uh, here's your pilot. Here's your robot. Go make a seven minute piece on this set. And that's what he does for that opening scene. And he uses footage from Battle Beyond the Stars to make a little space battle. He's woken up from deep space sleep, right. hyperspace sleep, have a little battle. With and then like they ice say, on his face, right? I don't know what's, like, on, what's his on his face. face? Like what's ice? on his face? I don't know what's on his face. Look, I mean, if you're going to go into hypersleep and you don't do a deep, poor cleanse mm, and yeah, get like that, a good base, right. you're going to get some breakouts. Yep. It's going to happen. Right. They and they uh, they have that only in audio form, but there's nowhere to play it. <laughs> so those instructions are lost to most people, right? Right. They did not put it on a video. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so once he wakes up, they have these food raiders. They got to shoot them down, and then they are given an assignment to go to this planet. So they basically made that that seven minute opening. He made that. Mm-hmm. Roger said, "Keep that in there." We're going to make the rest of the movie. And, of course, the plan, of course, was to make a Lawrence uh, Lawrence of Arabia in space. Right. But then they sat down and then they said, okay, we're going to – Roger decided I'm going to rip off Alien again. And that's when they came up with the rest of the movie. But really, uh, even as Alan says, the, the opening is kind of like a kid's movie. It's almost yeah. like a kid's space adventure. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie obviously does not go that way. But he didn't know what the rest of the movie was going to be when he made those that seven-minute opening. So – that's why it's so a little bit discordant no, I, from the rest I, of it. And I remember him saying that he was asked to like put something together and that's right. what he put together. Right. Uh, and I watched the director's commentary or the director's cut first. Yeah. And at yeah, the, at did. the point, at the point that that battle started, I was, I was like, okay. I thought at any point we're going to go to a Home Depot warehouse. We're going to have a kid that's going to, mm-hmm. to like get onto a ship. <laughs> I was like, where are we going? Forbidden yeah. World is Home Depot. Yeah, it's a little Space Raiders-y. And spe- they even also shoot this movie partly at Vasquez Rocks. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> right. I thought, I was like, oh, is that kid going to show up from Space Raiders? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be there? <laughs> Funny enough, he almost had uh, uh, James Horner do the music for this, and he had to turn James Horner down to do the music so he could have uh, his girlfriend, now wife, Susan Justin, do the music instead. Uh, Which is a great soundtrack. Great, great score, for sure. And not only unusual, I think even a little bit now, but for 82, such a unique score to put oh, out yeah. for a movie. Absolutely. You know? Even though synthesizers were like certainly very much in play at that time, it's a good sure. use. You have actual vocal elements that are heavily affected that are adding to it. I mean, this soundtrack, not just like that kind of sort of theme part, but the soundtrack that's actually helping bolster some of the more suspenseful scenes is yeah. really well done. It's yeah. it it really builds the suspense around those moments, which 
a lot of new world movies, the soundtrack doesn't do enough to kind of like mm-hmm. build up like what might happen sure. next. Mm-hmm. And this sure. one really does an excellent job of building up the suspense. Yeah. Um, and so let, let's finish with the synopsis. A Federation marshal arrives at a research lab on a remote planet where a genetic experiment has gotten loose and begins feeding on the dwindling scientific group. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's about right. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> by the way, I wanted to say really quickly, too, the title sequence. Good title sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We get not title typical. cards, but we get things to look at. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not just, yeah. not just names over black. So. Yeah. Yep always a breath of fresh air when you're yes. watching a new world movie and they actually put something into the title sequence. So Jesse Vint lands on the planet though, this forbidden world, if you will. And we get introduced to some of our main characters, June Chadwick right away, uh, who Erica described as space heels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's her first shot of her walking around in her space heels. Exactly. To me, it felt for like, it is the first movie that I watched about space that made me actually want to go to space. Cause I was like, Oh, heels. You can wear heels in space. You don't need like space boots. I, no. I think heels are actually required. You can wear like a fitted by... kind of sexy jumpsuit. Okay. I mean, I, th- I think you have to wear them. I think if you're a female on in the space station, you are required to wear them. I think okay. everybody would. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I found that's it a refreshing. Requirement. It made space seem kind of desirable <laughs> for the first well, time. I, Fashion what, I, forward. I, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I do find it a little odd that uh, 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 Barbara and uh, Tracy, Tracy, they either have heels or bare feet. You don't have another option. Like right. they yeah. never nope. gave them boots. Yeah. No. But no. when 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 Barbara's introduced, I was like, "Oh shit! It's Janine from Spinal Tap. Let's That's see right. how this goes. That's Is right. this ship recorded in Dubly?" <laughs> that's right she had yet to shoot a, a spinal tap so before this her big credit was 1979's the golden lady which followed a female james bond type and her gang of female mm. mercenaries mm. Um, okay as she meets jesse vent we also uh have dr hauser who's played by lyndon childs who basically was a tv actor he'd been in almost every tv show that had been out there Shows like The Green Hornet and Perry Mason, just about almost every TV show of the 1970s. And then he would continue to work in TV after this. Like, that's just kind of what he did. He was just a big time character actor. And he has one of those faces. I, I'm like, I guarantee I've seen him in millions of other things. Oh, but, yeah. Absolutely. But also, listeners, you know. just look up Lyndon Childs. And when you see his face, you'll be like, yeah, he's a Lyndon. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's 100% a right. Lyndon. He's not Lindy. He's not Lynn. He's right. Lyndon. Right. Uh-huh. He is Lyndon Childs. Right. Absolutely. And just they, Google his face. They were hoping agree. to name him David. And then when he was born, they were like, no, no look at him. Sorry. <laughs> nope. That's a Lyndon. This is Lyndon. Mm-hmm. We have to do it. Uh, but I also love that immediately once Jesse Vin shows up, like June Chadwick is like, Hello. Welcome oh, you know. to the space station. Yeah. I mean, it's instantaneous. And well, um, it's, then, pri- it's prime Jesse Vent, though. It is. It is prime Jesse Vent. Yes. She's but immediately I'm, like, I got something you can fix. And he's yeah. like, oh, my well, gosh. Yeah. Shit. I, all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 
just been through a sweaty space battle, but he's like, whatever. I'm right. good to go. He's yeah. like, hey, I wiped all that shit off my face. I've got energy. I just had hypersleep. I've got energy. Yeah, I've got energy. I got burn. a hyper boner right now, huh? <laughs> Am I, huh? Right? Huh? And he uh, is willing to share it with almost any female on the ship, including Don Dunlap as Tracy, who he meets in her all pink jumpsuit right, right away. Uh, literally crashes into her. Dunlap. She bumps into him with a full tray of vials of blood. <laughs> so that's why she's not Dr. Tracy that's Becker. Right. No, no, okay? no. She's Baxter. just Tracy. She's, she's just, just Tracy. Tracy because of those kind of mishaps. Just be careful with the blood samples, Trace. Yeah. I mean, now, Tracy's... She's in, she's in see-through plastic heels. I mean, that's, you know, that's another thing she's got to navigate. Heels. Well, they're space, space heels. Space heels. I mean, space space heels. Yeah, she does have her I'm space sorry. heels. Sorry. Yeah. Don was uh, Dunlap was cast at the last minute after the original actress. She left the part. Um, I believe Alan explains it that her boyfriend didn't want her to do nudity as she had just done this McDonald's commercial, and he was like, "You're going places. We don't need to do a nudie Corman movie." Mm-hmm. I don't know who the actress is, but anyway, that's the story that he's told. They were going trying to find somebody to take this part. They did a big casting call. So the first person they were going to play was an older, well, 30s, but <laughs> a former playmate. And she was going to take the role. And Alan thought she looked too old. Uh, and then Corman said, well, no problem. Just put her in pigtails. Because when you see someone in pigtails, your thought is that they're young. Ew. So and that space was heels. His, yeah, and space heels. And, yeah. So he did but not. She's a doctor. Doctors. Well, no, she wasn't because Tracy was not a doctor. Tracy was not a doctor. Her. Yeah, I mean, she's interning on the Forbidden World. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah. it's a lot to take on. It's a summer internship, three months. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, man, I At just. At some point, I, there was a lot of bunnies to take care of. Yeah. She was in charge of all <laughs> yeah. the animals. So many she did a She did a shit job with those bunnies. Oh, that was a real. Those bunnies didn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are. No, they did yeah. not. That was going to show up in her performance review, guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. She was like horrified horrified and t- and sad because it was like, oh my God, oh no, all the bunnies are dead. All right, I don't have to clean up any more bunny poop. <laughs> <laughs> that ammonia smell in the lab has really gone down. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, so they cast Dun- Dunlop uh, because she came in at the last second just before they were really formalizing this deal for this former playmate, which was to Alan's uh, um, delight, to Alan's yes. delight, uh, that he got to cast her in this role. Now, before that, it's not like she hadn't had any other experience. In fact, she had been she had starred in the 1979 French erotic drama Laura as Ooh. the title character. So she was no stranger to nudity. She would go on to make Barbarian Queen for Corman's Concord huh. Pictures. And that was right before she basically quit the Nearly business. New World. Nearly New World. Nearly new Very world. close. I also remember that popular French name, Laura. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Not like Janine or no, you know, Monique Amalie. No, it's just me, Laura. Me, yep. Laura Le Pew. I'm just an old Frenchie. <laughs> just me, Laura. Bonjour. Just me, old French Laura. <laughs> Como ça va, oui. Ça va, Laura. That is literally how it's described as a French erotic drama. I'm like, that, hmm. Mm. Starring an American actress. I, hmm, Oof, God, I, I smell I a remake. Know. 
I smell a remake where I just make it like French erotic drama, Nancy. Like I just pick the most, yeah. the least sounding French name I can think of. I'm pretty sure I will die without ever watching that movie. Uh oh, Uh-oh. that sounds like a bet. Sounds like, like we dare. Sounds like we've got an April first prank to pull <laughs> next year. Bonfet, Mark. It's Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Bonfet is not happy birthday. I'm pretty sure it's Bon anniversary. I, I was like Bon like happy that. happy I, I was like, fat, happy fat happy feet. I don't know. Yeah. Happy party. Right. I might have just sure. said I don't okay. know. It's mm. me, Laura. I'm not even speak French. I'm here to get erotic. <laughs> I got my space heels on. I got my space heels on. Who's ready for some eroticism? But what I love about him running to these two ladies that instantly both dig him. No, Which, they are both down to pound, like mm-hmm. immediately. Immediately into this dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that this and this comes up twice, but there's just like we don't get a lot of new faces here. They've been at this with the same group of people for a long time. Literally, it could be anyone stepping into this environment. But think about it. Who and it's are setting their up alarm bells. The janitor and the yo-yo uh, security ge- guard. Yep, exactly. So, right. Those are their boyfriends. Vint steps off, freshly <laughs> hyper-sleeped. And you've got right. Cancer Boy. So yeah, you're like, I, yeah. well, you're forgetting Brian. Brian is also in there, who's in charge of all the, I guess, the, okay. the engineer. Sure, sure, sure. But Brian seems pretty, he keeps everybody at arm's length. He is constantly playing that space sax, uh, and space everyone's sax. like, bro, I, yeah. I, he, he, he requires a lot of alone time. No, no, because Brian has laid so much pipe on those ladies. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I am done with this shit. I just need my oboe. Or man pipe. (laughs) Man pipe. They've replaced Brian's picture in the frame in the frame with with their new boyfriends. (laughs) The janitor and the security guard. Right. Probably on top of the old picture with Brian, just in case. I don't know. Does I don't know. Things happen here. There's there's a Brian, then there's a Dr. Gordon, then there's another Brian, and then there's the janitor. So yeah, I mean it's there's been They've all There's, gone. Yeah. They've yeah. all. Yeah. Because as soon as a new guy comes in, they're all like pouncing on him and don't care about their previous relationship. So clearly this is just like, this is leave your space keys in the bowl. <laughs> Mark, Mark's neighborhood. Essentially. My favorite party. <laughs> My favorite kind of party. <laughs> when That's the part they cut from the movie. And this is a tight 77 minute movie. Right. So it was hard to cut, but they were like, they, we got a bowl key scene because you know even a spaceship's got keys. This right? is a this is a futuristic yep. ice storm. That's what this movie is. <laughs> yep. Aren't all movies? <laughs> More movies should be. <laughs> also, we I'm not I'm not considering that Brian may have his girlfriend might have been Annie. So you know um, that could have been who he was hooking up with. Probably not. Leaving old um, Doctor Hauser just to himself, and you know. Mm-hmm. Leave leave me alone. I'm in my office. Yeah. Speaking of, we've already mentioned him. We got it. We go to the lab where we meet Dr. Cal Timbergen, mm-hmm. played with the perfect amount of bubbling and sanity by Fox Harris. <laughs> I mean, I, it, this movie's got a very solid cast, I will say. I really like a lot of the people. I think everyone's, there's a lot of good people, but if there is an MVP, it is Fox Harris to this movie. Oh, he 100%. is 
Wow, going for it and selling it. By the way, he goes on to Repo Man and Sid and Nancy. And Repo Man, he's the one driving around the car with the one dark lens. Mm. Yeah. Just sweating in that one, too. Just constantly running around. In this one, there's there is no mystery that he is not of good health. Yeah, no, he's not doing well. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> instantaneous. Uh, and I just felt like... You know, he shows up, his just chef's kiss of coughing, smoking, and being covered in blood. I was just like, this guy, unbelievable. Yeah, does he only have one lab coat? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> like, he, like, because even when they settled down for dinner, it's like... He was still covered in blood. Doc, do you want to change your coat? I know. Or like, and whose blood don't... was it? Was it bunny blood? I have to assume that he's got the blood on him because they've kept the scene of, you know, the mutant getting out and killing all the animals so they left it that way so i understand why he's got some blood on him but as the movie goes on he doesn't ever seem to change i'm like i mean that's the thing they give you one pair of heels if you're a lady if Mm -hmm. you're a doctor they're going to give you one lab coat like we don't have multiples so you have to make do with what you have i mean and also uh, you you have to know when to cut the budget a little bit uh, a little bit and i'm not talking about the movie budget i'm talking about the travel budget one of right. them was whipped cream. The other thing was bleach mm-hmm. and a really good, like there's no Tide Pods on this no. show. This is, no. this is, you know, your sort of generic detergent. They can only wash everything in cold. So yeah. you're not going to get that blood out. Oh, they really just put their clothes in that steam room and they just leave them there for a little while and they pick them up later and they dry them off. That's that. Like that's all they can really do. So if you know that there's a mutant running around this the this this space station that you're on, does a does a good steam seem like the way to clear your head? It seems to clear the way for your head of anybody, including Tracy goes in there for a good steam. She's like, oh, man, what a drag. My boyfriend's dead. <laughs> I don't have any animals to take care of. Because I so, killed them. Right. Because I <laughs> I kind of left their cages open. That was a mistake. My mistake. In retrospect, a big mistake. Mm-hmm. I was trying to let them have free play, and I didn't I realize. I had a 50-50 on that. Keep them in or let them out. I chose the wrong side. In my defense, how was I supposed to know that a mutated creature was just going to show up out of nowhere and start killing them, eating them all? I mean, that wasn't. that's not on me. Um, and so she goes in for that steam, and that's where she's like, I'm good. And then once, you know, Colby shows up, she's like, hey, well, you're in here. My boyfriend's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems to take away all the blues. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of that creature, I also love that once the creature shows up, Jesse Vince like, well, let's just kill it. This little thing did all that damage. That little thing has a lot of energy. Its metabolic rate is 50 times that of any other known organism. Then we should get rid of it. If we drop a few cc's of hydrocyanic acid in there, we have a belly-up metamorph, and I can go home. Another thing I love about this movie is it says the things that you normally would think, and it says Mm -hmm. them almost right away. Yeah. Cleaning up our terrible mess is Michael Bowen as Jimmy, the only guy cool enough to really rock the sleeveless aspect of his uniform. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have a few people's sleevelessness, but... Uh, Bowen is in one of his early roles. In fact, I think it might even be his first role. And he would go on from this and he'd do The Wildlife and Valley Girl. And The Wildlife, he's one of um, Chris Penn's buddies. 
Mm-hmm. But he's mostly known these days as uh, playing Buck in Kill Bill. Um, mm. Quentin Tarantino in his early days actually interviewed Alan Holzman, uh, pretending he was writing a book about directors and talked to him because he was a fan of his work. So uh, then he didn't end up writing uh, the book. He just ended up wanting to pick the brains of a lot of directors that he liked. So I would have to say he's probably a big fan of this one. So maybe that's how he gets the idea of casting Bowen in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 later. Anybody's guess. But also, uh, Bowen is also the maternal half-brother of Keith and Robert Carradine. Oh, okay. All right. So he is essentially also, I don't know how that works with David, but a stepbrother of David's, I suppose? Sure. Um, he's a Carradine, essentially, is what it all boils down to. Well, just barely. <laughs> well, the... He's nearly Carradine. He's ne- yeah, <laughs> nearly Carradine. I think we need to get a framed picture of the Carradine family tree. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly. going to help us out. We got to work this out. Mm-hmm. Well, Rob- we'll be talking Lana about the branches on that one. We'll be talking about Robert <laughs> later this month in Wavelength. So you know, a lot of Carradines this month. Not to be insensitive though to Michael Bowen, but when he gets that mutant on his face. Does he have to ruin the entire lab? I mean, yeah. come on, buddy. He, does. he had to go out with a bang. He was like, if this if this old mutant pancake's gonna dissolve my face, oh boy. Yeah. I'm taking out I'm taking the everything lab. down. Yeah. 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 It, it was I thought it was great. But it's also to his defense, it's dissolving one of his eyeballs. Oh no. So no, his, I get it. And his, half of his um, face. His depth perception was way off. So maybe right. he thought he was actually walking away from all the beakers. If, and instead he was throwing himself onto them. Maybe he was just in excruciating pain and was just yeah. like, I have no, my my body is yeah. impulsively reflexing because I'm like, I this is pain I've never imagined I would ever mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm sure that there's at least one of the doctors is going to walk in that room and be like, oh my God, he's dead. And their second thought, I'm going to give them that their first thought is, oh, my God, he's dead. And then their second thought is, this lab is ruined. Yeah, it is ruined. it's a mess. And, and, I'm and gonna say, who's going to clean it? Because it would have been him. Also, Tracy. Now that's Tracy's job. You know that's going to be Tracy's job. I mean, she's not going to bring it up. She will not bring it up. Mm-hmm. She's going to let someone else say, Tracy, can you clean up where your boyfriend just died? Mm-hmm. And she's going to be like, God damn it, I have to because I'm an intern and I have to do what I'm told. Yeah. I wonder, too, if it was, like, Final Revenge, where he's like, you know what? I had to clean this lab so many right. damn times. Yeah. If my face is getting dissolved, I'm going out with a bang. Taking, I'm breaking taking this all beaker. down. I'm going to throw the table over. I'm going to crash through everything I can just to make an even bigger mess. If my face is getting dissolved, I'm going to throw a few beakers around. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I would hope. He, but he really does go for it. It's a great death. I'm going to go ahead and start folding laundry that's out and just <laughs> yeah. tidy up. Oh, my face is oh. burning, but I, this Uh-oh. pile is not going to fold itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have walked in the room and been like, what the shit? <laughs> and what happened to Jimmy? Oh, like that, yeah. It would have been in that right. order. You would have been 100%. first. <laughs> yeah. But again, Jimmy bites it, but that doesn't mean we can't all have dinner. In of fact, they're, they're all having dinner as he's getting killed. Mm-hmm. And we have our shortcake scene where we meet our final crew member, Brian, that we mentioned earlier. He's played by Raymond Oliver, who prior to this had appeared in some episodes of Lou Grant and briefly in Private Benjamin and would go on from this to appear in Child's Play, Mark, mm. 
So I'm sure you're familiar with Raymond Oliver. Plays 100%. Death I mean, in child's yeah, play. I, yeah. I, the, my child's play marathon is about to kick up in about two months. Oh, okay. I'll be yeah. getting yeah. right back into it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're excited. I, and, but uh, in all, uh, hold on, audience. I, in all seriousness, I love the shit out of the Child's Play series. Like Ryan's, <laughs> Ryan's trying to make a, a comment. Like, yeah, I'm sure you are. No, no, no. Mm. I will. I love those movies. I, I, I sounded sarcastic because I can't help but sound that way. But I know, <laughs> I being completely sincere, that I know you're going to watch all the Child's Play movies. And we had an episode where we talked about our favorite horror franchises, and Child's Play yep. was in your was in your list. I know it, the, the the love is real. So I no, I'm I'm completely like I'm sure you're gonna watch all of them again. In fact, oh, I you. gave you a box set of the Child's Play movies. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for believing in me. Yeah, I appreciate that's that. right. I know. <laughs> I believe in you. Then later on when June Chadwick gets Jesse Venn to go in a room. I hear you're the best troubleshooter in the Federation. Yeah. I heard that too. One, two, uh see some trouble i loved how how well they played that but he gets assigned a room by earl the security guard who watches everybody and apparently has a coke problem that we only see briefly in the beginning but never again uh it was just like rubbing some white powder on his teeth which is yeah. either i don't know space gelatin or it's cocaine i don't know what but <laughs> i was imagining that <laughs> later that that's the whipped cream yeah right he took he the said, whipped cream <laughs> that might yeah. just be future like in the future whitening strips you yeah, just like right. rub a little white stuff good. on your teeth yep you're good um but like when he's trying to go to his room and june chadwick comes out that there's a voice off screen that's like no sir i put you in number number two <laughs> no, your room is number two. Yeah, your room's number two. I love that moment. It's so great. He's like, no, 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 your room number two. And then he's like, damn it, now I gotta watch you have sex with my girlfriend. Damn. Yeah. Because I'm gonna watch it and play with my space yo yo. That's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. And he's surprisingly calm. Very calm. Well, the space yo yo, I have to think, is just extremely therapeutic. And it also really? makes a noise, which is, it takes a while for you to put the two and two together. That mm-hmm. is the yo yo. That's mm-hmm. making yeah. a strange noise. Yeah, that's right. By the way, Earl is played by Scott Pollan, who really kind of blows up after this. He goes right from this in. He appeared in Cat People the same year that this is released. And then he moves on to The Right Stuff in 1983. And then Warning Sign, Teen Wolf, The Accused, Turner and Hooch, Pump Up the Volume. The dude, just career just went bananas. Yeesh. So uh, Scott Pollan, you've seen him in many, many other things. He was in and The Right s- Stuff? Wow. Yeah, yeah. He was in the TV series of House, different House. Dif- <laughs> yes, <laughs> considerably different than the House that we cover in in Nearly New World. New World? <laughs> it's this guy, and he's a doctor, and he's he's just quirky as all can be. He doesn't play by the rules, but he's a good dude in the end. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and in this, he's just very sweaty, maybe yeah, on coke, and very. and uh, and watching his girlfriend. And I've just wondered, like, is she trying to start some shit with him? Like, did they have an argument? And prior to Jesse Vince showing up, I don't think so. I think she's just like, hey, new guy, 
new stick just showed up on the on the Forbidden World. So we got to get into this. Also, guys, she's a doctor, so <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, she can do yeah. whatever she wants. And really. he's in charge of security, so yeah. like he she wears the pants. Yeah. She yeah. wears the sexy space. That's pants. a really good point. He was. Yeah. She wasn't having sex with him. She was giving him a full. Like a physical. He came in, need to have a physical. I'm going to give you the physical. I'm a doctor. So your wanger means nothing to me. I've seen a million wangers. I'm just here to make sure you're okay. In the scene where Earl eventually like goes to the locker room and he opens up what was Annie's locker and takes some, I don't know what he takes out of the locker and puts it in his own. There's a picture of him with uh, June Chadwick in the locker Maybe I'm only inferring that they were boyfriend girlfriend from that photo when that could have just been a photo they took at the space station Christmas party. And then he just like put it up in his locker. Like, look at me. Did you see me and the doctor lady? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. We all took a photo with her, dude. There's like eight of us, you know, like they went out on one date. And yeah, he, and at the mm-hmm. end of the date, he was like, "I love you," and she was like, oh "She was like, God. whoa, wow, whoa." I'm a doctor, so pump the space brakes. Go get your yo-yo, weirdo. I and... was only going out with you so that we could talk about how we work on your plantar fasciitis. <laughs> yeah, that's the only She's, reason why we were. She can out. do better, and <laughs> right. she knows it. You so... left me like 50 messages about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. He said, "I love you" on first date. She was like, "Okay, I'm over this." Okay, seriously. Yeah. But yeah. you're not going to be able to go for a jog for at least three months. Is all I'm telling you. <laughs> um, by the way, like, give it up for the people doing some of the costumes, as we mentioned, with these sleeveless tees and their and. But once they get off the ship, I kind of love that outfit that they put when they leave the, the to go out, you know, into Vasquez Rocks and mm-hmm. leave the space station, and that is like the simplest costume i mean alan talks about it in in the uh in the director's commentary that it's like a towel and it's like a mask you would get for like a painter's mask no that that mask is like straight up COVID 19 mask it's like it's not not full mask not full face mask not even something that if you were spraying a varnish you would put on your face this is just (laughs) like a cup like a like a ball cup that you just right. stuck on your face, right? Like a, <laughs> like you've like you've put like a, a muzzle on your face, right? Like a ball cup, like you were gonna play <laughs> t ball and you stuck it on your face. Sure, but I Ew, love the that's way that's what you meant by ball cup. Yes. I love the way that oh. it looks. Yeah, yeah, it's oh. just like that. For some reason, I was just thinking a cup that was like shaped by like half of a no. ball, like a volleyball. I a guarantee you, Ugh. they're using a cup. A cup, mm. and then just adorned it and stuck it on their face. It, I literally think he says Ew. it's just a mask that they got. Like, I mean, it's mm. all no. just easy, easy ball. Oh, yeah, it's a ball cup. We'll, we'll, we'll. <laughs> Some people call a ball cup a mask that you put over your donger. Oh, Some people. Oh, oh boy. God. Some um, people are just you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been like Ryan. <laughs> ball cup i need to go to the store i can't find my ball cup and a store requires us to wear those on our faces my point is is that i really like the look of it whatever it is 
Uh, Whatever it is, Ryan's Whether it is some sort of fetish item or just something you would buy at Home Depot in the paint section, I just I'd love the way you look. I don't know why. I just dig it. I like the look of How it. How quickly could would you find would you realize that you put on the wrong cup? Mm, Cuz you have you you're separating them. That's good that you have a system like that. You have one for downstairs and I have one for my face. <laughs> Don't mix them up. Oh, no. I'm already outside of the space station. I can't go back. Oh, that was a hearty game of handball. This is not. This is going to be rough. Is my breath this bad? Or <laughs> my balls this bad? I, the steam room doubles as a handball court. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> By the way, I love that they try to kill this thing once they go out and walk around the, the planet. They're again trying to kill this thing, and and, and they mm-hmm. did this sort of by on accident. The big sort of spider-like creature that they put up on the rocks there at Vasquez Rocks, which I believe Tony Randall was part of his job. I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe was him putting that that spider-like thing up there. The mutant was supposed to then spawn out of that again, I believe. But when they were shooting at it and they're setting off like you know, the squibs or whatever, uh, not yeah. squibs, but the, the uh, you know, explosives on it. Yeah, yeah. They caught on fire and the thing just lit up on fire. And uh, the special effects guy was like, just keep rolling. Because that thing just lit up. And so Alan had to take a second and go, okay, what do I do? Uh, it was already gone. It was already gone. And it's back to the space station. Right. So, because they had one day to shoot in Vasquez Rocks. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. It is a, it is a super interesting part of the movie because you get the dynamic of, you know, sort of the aliens dynamic of like we can't get rid of this thing. This thing could it's it's you know uh, we have to some we have to keep it alive because what a discovery that we made. Uh, and then the rest of the team of of course is like uh, no let's just kill this thing because we need to. That's right. And I think that even when you. See, that's the first kind of time that you get to see really, really clear images of the creature itself. And obviously, we're talking about New World movies, so there's only so much money that was put into that. Right. And I think Alan does an excellent job of quick cuts to kind of like show it in glimpses. And then it goes down into the vent system. And right. like, it, 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 you don't ever get a. You could easily in that moment have run into sort of the 1950s monster movie scene where it kind of looks ridiculous and you're out in the desert but it actually looks really great from a color standpoint the contrast standpoint and the fact that the creature is not really shown very clearly that it builds a suspense that like oh shit this went back into the station what are we going to do now right and then pulls down dr hauser and you're right mark it could have looked like a corman film but it doesn't look like a Corbin film. No, but it doesn't. It really no, doesn't. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They, that, he, but he did a lot of those, you know, 60s, 50s creature feature films with really terrible looking creatures. So, right. you know, it could have looked like that. And he kind of makes sure to edit around it so you don't really see it. By the way, the entrance going in and out from the space station, that part was actually shot in the parking lot of the, uh, of the uh, lumberyard. So that's huh. done not at Vasquez wow. Rocks. It's hmm. all the running around, but the it just they built and put in sand and everything. So all the like coming out of the space station and the part where 
Not going to lie, when they walked out of the space station and it was all the sand, I was like, that looks really good. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I was and really that's, impressed. That's the parking yeah. lot. That's the parking wow. lot of the lumberyard. Nice job. Yeah. But then, guys, the girls get a dumb idea to talk to the ding dang thing. Shut up, <laughs> girls. Stop talking, girls. What, you have an idea? What? I feel like this tracks a female doctor, a doctor. Mm hmm. Brings up a scientific hypothesis and is immediately shot down by the new guy who doesn't know science at all. And mm -hmm. all the dudes are like, I'm going with him. <laughs> Good stay by that guy. I believe in that dude. I, but one second. I don't disagree with everything. You're, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I don't disagree with any of it at all. But even if the guys came up with this idea, it doesn't matter who came up with this idea. It doesn't sure. matter. It's a bad idea. Well... Right? I understand that that I thought that this might be a response because I figure people would be like, well, it is what kills her. But <laughs> I submit that with a little bit more support and some brainstorming within the group, instead of just immediately shooting her down, this might have worked because maybe somebody would have said, well, don't just walk right up to the thing and start tip typing away. I mean, you know, keep a little distance. No, absolutely. You're right. When you're working in a group and someone submits an idea that is certainly different than what, you know, the general group has been talking about, you need to listen, you need to consider, you need to say, okay, like, let's, let's work that through. How would that right. work? What would right. that look like? And there is like a very male chauvinistic ridiculousness to that whole scene. It was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to be clear about that. Could they have helped her from not getting killed? Probably. Yes. If they had yes. just like worked through like, so like, let's walk through it. You're going to get how many feet away from the creature? Well, maybe you should back up a few more feet. Like, let's talk about this. And I, they I, didn't do that. I would say, I would submit that her idea that the mutant may not be, could be friendly. I think you got a 50-50 shot of being right on that one. You know? The thing's <laughs> either going to, like, trick you and kill you. Kind of what happens. 50-50 shot. It could actually be like, hey, I just want to party with the rest of y'all. I love the steam room. <laughs> I like I like how funky it gets up in this space station. <laughs> like, I'm digging it here. You got a 50-50 shot. So, I tried on I tried on one of your ball cups, and I like <laughs> it. I like it. It feels good. I used it in one of my 50 balls. I have many balls. Not little known fact. You guys don't know a lot about me, but I'm just riddled with balls. I'm so glad we're talking about this now. That <laughs> I can finally talk about my many, many balls. Yeah. I mean, this is great. I like being this forward about my what's going on with me. I want to be body positive. Let me ask you guys this, though. Do you only think it's a bad idea because she died? I mean, maybe that was her plan all along. That's what I'm saying. It's one of she those things. It was her only way off this forbidden world. She was like, "Just f it," you know. It's like okay. when you see, it's like okay. when you see a bad like a a bad play in sports, like a bad shot in basketball, or you see, and you're like, "Why did you take that shot?" If you make the shot, yeah, you're jumping up and down out of your seat. Had she lived, you know, egg on your face, Jesse Vint, because <laughs> you wanted to kill this thing, and it was very rightly. true. Right. Very true. You know, 
And she doesn't know. She doesn't know if Jimmy didn't try to kill it, you know? And it killed Jimmy. I'm sure at some point they all wanted to kill Jimmy. That seemed annoying. He wore sleeveless yeah. shirts. He's definitely a guy that you want to punch in the face. He also, like, opened up and looked, put his head right in there. I mean, Jimmy, who does that? Yeah. Come on, dude. You're asking for it on that one. Yeah. The power of groupthink, though. They could have helped her strategize a better approach. Now, if she had said, listen... I don't need your help because really, I don't give a shit. If this fails <laughs> on me, I, I'm done. I've boned all of you. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do this mm-hmm. anymore. Even the new guy. Mm-hmm. Even the new guy. who she At that point, she's not even remembering his name. She's like, even you, new guy. I fucked you too. And Dr. Cow's like, a wait shit. a second. Wait a second. Well, no. Well, that was on purpose. I avoided you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't. You, like you... You reek of crazy, so I, I avoided you just for my own, right. yeah. just to keep, I decided to keep it professional. Like, but Tracy's going to stick around, so you still have a chance. Right, but right. I Yes, I think she could have had some more support. Now, it does set up one of the most interesting parts of the movie, in that she figures out that he is, in, that Creature is in control of the computer system. And she's found a way to talk with the creature through the computer system, okay. which is, it's a very short lived part of the movie, mm-hmm. but I loved like, this could be a super fascinating part of, is it evil? Is it not? Could it be evil, but it's going to play with them for a little bit and just try to like win them over for a little bit. But I mean, it pretty much immediately is just like, I'm just going to kill you anyway. But I love well, maybe the fact it was just trying this- to hug her or like high five her, but mm-hmm. You know, hmm. it was just a yeah, little I, bit too I, hard of a high five. Like, I think I think it was a high. It was, it, was, it, was, mm-hmm. it was a high one. She was yeah. just, he was just going to high one her. Yeah. Right, uh, right. Yeah, a high one, but he just didn't. You know, he's not. He doesn't know his own strength. He, he's still growing. I mean, right. could, we don't know right. the gender we don't of know. the mutant. I know that's me assuming. Sorry, sorry. Maybe yeah, that mutant right. was like, "Hey, you're my competition, Doc." <laughs> Stab. Right. I'm gonna get me some vent. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a stamp with Vent. It's my turn, Doctor Barb. We don't get a lot of new faces around here. <laughs> Mutant needs love too. <laughs> I know, call, I'm me, a, call me Jane. Don't be thrown <laughs> off by these fifty ball sacks that I have. <laughs> yeah. Don't let that confuse the issue. Yeah. Uh, that's fair, but it does. It does introduce one of my favorite gore scenes and i know it's subtle but having like the giant spray of blood behind you is always a nice effect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it it was that that was solid yeah and 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 it leads to even more goriness because speaking of uh i think something that i really really loved and i think we might be getting into a bit more of that but i love that they kill this thing with cancer that is just oh totally unbelievable awesome. and alan is very quick to you know attribute that to roger gorman as his idea and i just say when you're going into a movie that is i don't really look at this movie and always just go oh alien of course alien but obviously that's the touchstone but you know i did not expect that cancer was going to be the way they took this thing out mm-hmm. and it's kind of a genius idea so I love that element and everything that goes along with that. And I think it might be things we loved and things we hated. 
That's right. It's time for us to talk about the things we loved and the things we hated about Forbidden World. Mark, what's something that you loved? I loved the ambition of the movie. There mm-hmm. is so much here. And I know yeah. that this predates a lot of other sci-fi movies, but you have, yes, it's uh, like it's an alien ripoff. And everyone says that, and that's what's in IMDb, and everyone talks about that. But it's also, it's Star Wars. It's the thing. It's a little bit of E.T. trying to get to know the alien and maybe the alien's good. It's also Frankenstein. Like, there's a lot happening in this movie. And we watch, obviously, a lot of New World Pictures movies. I think this is one of the most ambitious movies that I've watched, where they're trying to cover a lot of ground. There's a lot of smart thinking into a complex plot line and you're not really clear where it's going to be going. Mm -hmm. And I, it keeps you really interested. And this is a tight 77 minutes. Like this movie moves fast. Yeah. The, the director's cut is like 82. I think it's a little, this is a little bit longer, but still, this is under an hour and a half. This very, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And you know, what's interesting is ET and the thing came out the same year. So really, they wouldn't have even known that of right. those things yet. There's just but there's a lot of those elements in I mean, this movie. They, the characters are diverse, and they all have very different motives, and that leads to a very interesting story. And yeah. I, it's like this movie honestly could have been two and a half hours, and I would have been all in because there's yeah. so many different points to this movie that are happening that you could have explored so many different avenues of each one of these characters and what are they trying to do and where do they come from and how does this this mutant play into what they believed in the beginning of we're just trying to solve a, a food problem where did that fall down where did that maybe get corrupted and now how do they try to resolve like I was trying to do the right thing but now I've got a real problem on my hands and it you know I I just I really appreciate I guess the thought and care that went into this plot. Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, I, I love this movie. Uh, so no, no, uh, you won't get any pushback on me. Erica, what's something that you loved? Um, I too have a really, uh, deep introspective reason, much like Mark, why I liked it. And my reasons for liking it definitely don't revolve around space heels and boobies and Jesse Vint and monsters. Um, so yeah, I I eloquently explain here why I also love it. Is that now? Let me ask you. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got guns. It's got vent. It's got boobies. It's got monsters. It's got space yo-yos. It's got mur- it's got murders. It's great. Well, I was going to say, what did what did what did you think about Jesse Vent? Was he like you think he was kind of hunky in this, or <laughs> no? I mean, I think Ryan, I think we all know that Lyndon's more my speed. Yeah. If you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you want to just hold a mirror up, yeah, that's too. Um... Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, that's just... almost my name was Lyndon. I was almost, almost. named Lyndon. I were... looked just enough off of Lyndon. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, he's definitely, I think he's doing his, like, Jesse Vint thing in this that is, you know, he, he's got, he definitely has 
on screen like charisma. I th- yeah. I think he's he very has watchable. All he's the confidence very... too of the, yes. the kind of yes. guy that they want him to the, what they, he's been written to play. Yeah. And, and I think he and walks he's like in with beat a... up and he's like yeah. been through some stuff, you know. So he's he's got that. I think he 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 knows himself and he has that confidence and he can just that kind of bleeds through in his characters where you're like, what's with this guy? Why am I unbuttoning the top button here on my shirt? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. He does lean pretty heavily into that scarf, though, towards like the second, yeah, yeah towards like that yeah. the last third. Yeah, it's like I'm not letting this scarf down. Kind of doesn't like, take what? that thing off. He's like, I'm yeah. feeling good about keeping my neck uh, protected, real yeah. warm. Yeah, yeah. you got to keep it real warm. I also loved Space Sacks. I mean, that yeah. I yeah. there could have been a whole musical break where we just watch mm. him and listen to him play that Space Sax, and I was like chef's kiss this is wonderful i love the dynamic between uh jesse vent and the robot because it was oh, very totally. much like a i'm a robot i am loyal to you because that's my programming or whatever but also like that robot gave him shit at times which i really thought was hilarious and appreciated yeah. of like it, it you know the ro- robot literally makes a comment that's like oh so you turn me off when things are good and then turn me back on when things are going to shit basically it doesn't say shit but says like things aren't going so well which i was like ha yes robot gets it (laughs) yeah like they 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 seem to be like eh you know too much they turn him off but then they're like yeah we need help shooting this alien yeah help us Uh, let's turn him back on and have him help us out yeah you get that good joke in the beginning too that like he's trying to fix the uh the shield on the ship and he's like i I need some wire do you have any wire and the robot says i'm made of it right Mm -hmm. yeah that's a pretty good joke it was great funny yeah there's just it's just a really enjoyable film honestly i really liked it and i always struggle it's weird for me when i really like the new world movie i'm like oh no i really liked it what am i gonna say Say that you liked it. I mean, that's and I really did. Yeah, you know, from start to finish, it's just fun. I mean, it's just you know, it is. It's It's, a lot of fun. It's fun. I, I, I'm gonna just you know join the chorus. The effects, Mm -hmm. love the effects in this. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. We've talked about the score, but the effects. Oh, those decomposing bodies when they're kind of turning to like the methocellulose that they use to kind of make that jelly that they ran like uh stuff like red dye or whatever through mm-hmm. to make it look like veins it oh, just it's you know, great i think they get like a john carl beekler got like a uh he someone let him borrow a a skeleton so he could make a, a mold of it and make that just so they could put that uh for that scene where they have like the skeleton head just in all that goop mm-hmm. and it's just the effects in this are just it is gooey so and gross yeah and Super effective. I think they did a great job. And I'm not just saying that because we will be talking to Mark Showstrom next week. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they are gross. Mm-hmm. And the scene where Colby has to remove the tumor from Dr. Oh, Cal. Oh, that is so yeah, good. Amazing. So, so good. I mean, we've so obviously gross. we're all big. You know, we've said it before. We're big advocates of practical effects in this. Yeah. In this. But just looking at those effects, they just don't age. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. There's parts of this movie that definitely look like we don't have a lot of money. The effects look like we have a million bucks. It look yeah. they look fantastic. Also, when he's getting cut open, his screams are right. the screams that any one of us would have if we were in that moment. Like he is selling 
the pain oh, I'm telling you. of being yeah. cut open. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, Fox Harris, MVP. I mean, unbelievable. Unfortunately, he's passed on, but my God, he puts in an incredible performance in this. Um, uh, I I love the sets. The yeah. burger trays. Mm-hmm. I love the burger trays. Mm-hmm. It all looks still really good. They actually did something really smart in that they used not, they didn't just make hallways in the Lumberyard studio. They actually used the hallways of New World and they dressed up all the hallways and that's where they made it. And it gives it such a nice depth to do it that way because it looks much nicer and longer. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure you would have been able to achieve that in the Lumberyard. But I just think this is, this is one of the better made films in that Corman mold. And yeah, Despite the fact that Corman messed around and cut out a lot of the humor because he hates humor in movies. He doesn't like mixing humor into genre stuff, which is a mistake, but that's fine. And um, I just think it really works. And I know Holzman thought he should have stuck around and with New World and done more movies. And I agree. I actually think he does what Roger, he knows what Roger wants in one of these movies. He knows kills nudity like he knows the elements that he has to put into this movie in order to make it work Mm -hmm. but he puts in enough of his own stuff that i think it separates it the different sequences where um the flash forward that we have in the very beginning the sort of like flash through the whole movie at the end uh the whole interesting sequence the love scene that is so got so much stuff going on the space yo-yo he fills it with enough of his own stuff and imagination Mm -hmm. that i think it separates itself from other new world movies but ticks all those boxes that roger wanted and um i just think it's uh yeah i really liked it really enjoyed it i'll say one other thing that that just to add to that really quickly is and that is the second third or the last third of the movie Uh, I think Alan does something really interesting because we have seen up to that point, a lot of going down this hallway, running down that hallway. And he, in the last third sort of breaks the fourth wall and does a lot of the camera over the hallways. So moving from room to room, Mm -hmm. which I loved because it, it, it actually adds to the tension and you're kind of, it's almost like he knew like we're getting bored of seeing the same hallways so I need to give you a different perspective of what that's like. And even though I'm kind of pulling you out of the room and kind of showing you a, a perspective that you would never see on any kind of, you know, sure building, it, I, it really adds to like, oh, okay, I'm feeling like the space and the fast movement of where we're trying to go. And I really loved that he took that approach, especially as the tension was dialing up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he, know, he learned a lot from from editing Battle Beyond the Stars, where he always felt like there's not enough movement. The camera doesn't move. The camera doesn't do stuff. And when you're shooting so many of this, the, the movie just on sets, you yeah. got to find different ways of just like, you know, moving the camera on. How, how do we get new angles? And that's what I think he accomplishes. Him and obviously Tim Surstedt, I think they really do a good job of shooting the hell out of these different sets and making it work and making it look different, giving it different looks mm-hmm. and making like the limitations like look better, which often wasn't always the case for him when he was editing battle beyond the stars. And he had to find ways of editing stuff to make it look like there was m- more interesting things to look at. So he definitely learned a lot and I feel like it all pays off in this. Let's yeah. switch to things we hated. We may not have a ton, but let's switch to things we hated. Mark. 
Um, uh, you know, it, like you said, there's not a lot to hate in this movie. I really, I really genuinely liked it. Um, that being said, uh, I think the last third of the movie, it's a, there's a lot of Tracy just screaming her lungs out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, she could be doing something else. Like I was like, try to fight back, try to show some courage, try to show, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm, but I'm going to find something in myself to like, I've got to push back on this. And it's a lot of her just running and screaming at the top of her lungs. And it was a little that. And I, she, and, and she lives. Mm-hmm. It's such a, it's, it's such an amazing part of the movie that you're like, yeah. actually this movie shows a lot of like, stop trying so hard. Yeah. If right. you don't try as hard and uh-huh. you just try to like react to things and wait for people to save you, like, you got a good chance. Like your your right. you know your chances of survival are higher mm-hmm. than trying to be active, coming up with your theories. You know, like it may also been the pitch of her screams. It's just real high pitched screaming, it is. and I was like, "Yeah, we got. Come on, do something else." So that, yeah. was, but I mean, all things considered, that's a mild complaint. Sure, but oh, totally. that was one thing that I thought. She could have shown a little bit more courage or even a little more genuine fear that isn't screaming, but is more like, how do I mentally get over what's happening right now and try to reconcile how do I move like next? Sure. Um, but again, mild complaint. She probably, though, you know, she's going through those hallways and that thing just seems to be around every single corner. And she probably got a peek of those 50 balls and she was like, fuck you know like so i don't know i also like to imagine if the creature was still just trying to be friends and was just like hey and every time she's around the corner it was like hello tracy me again well but to go back to your theory isn't she isn't she the opposition really like she needs to get rid of tracy and you know dr barbara wasn't worried about tracy as a threat it seems well no yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, he was like he's like you i'm into you yeah. back there didn't kill her. Yeah, so, I yeah. saw you in that French mm-hmm. movie. The name is just escaping me right now. Laura. Oh, Laura. <laughs> right, Laura. So French. Oh, uh, bonjour, Laura. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, Erica. What, what's something you hated? This is probably going to shock you guys, but um, I thought it was too short. And I never thought I would say that about a new wow. world movie because most of them I beg for them to be over. <laughs> but I thought it was too short. I wanted more. It left me wanting more. And that's what I hated about it. I wanted just more time on this crazy outpost. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted definitely more of, of the Jesse Vent backstory mm-hmm. of that character, how he, how he got partnered up with the robot. I just wanted more. Yeah, I, that's really if that's something that you can hate, I guess, is that it was just over too soon. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's that's I think that's fair. I, hated. I agree. I totally agree. I'm, I'm only going to say nitpicky stuff, too, which is that um, I kind of wish they'd shown what happened to Annie in a flashback. Maybe I realize that that's <laughs> like 
I know that that might require a lot more money and effects or whatever, but like, even if they just showed her like pregnant, even if they just showed her like with everybody, it just would have like that flashback would have been kind of nice to kind of see just a little bit more. more. I wanted wanted more. more. I wanted more. Um, because the story of that is wild. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. And, And when they go through and explain it all, it's great. And it's very interesting. It's well written. But I was like, this would be great to see some of this stuff instead of being told about it. We're being told about it, but we could see a little bit of it, too. So that would have been kind of cool. But I realized they had very little time and money. And so also, this is this is a Roger Corman production. It probably would have looked really shitty. And you've been like, actually, you could just talk yeah, about the story. Just talk about it. It's fine. fine. It's fine. <laughs> I understand it saves them like so much money and at least a couple days on the schedule. Like, I get why you don't do it. But I right. just was like, it would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's switch to our favorite scene. Mark, what was your favorite scene? Uh, I, I that's a tough one because I really did like this movie so much. I I have to say, again, it was the cutting the cancer out scene, mm-hmm. just because it's so intense, mm-hmm. and you know the the doctor's screams are so genuine and. Everyone around him at that point is, they don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. They're doing it begrudgingly. They're like, man, this is an insane idea. But they also recognize that this is probably the only way that they survive. So they have to commit to it. And I, I think it's a just, it's a really complex scene that is really, a, it's very effective. You really believe everybody's emotional state at that moment and I, I I get it to the to someone that's listening to this podcast and is not used to the movies we talk about. They would be like, "Yeah, duh, it's a movie. <laughs> that's what happens." But in new world movies, that doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Where you believe the motivations of everybody in a scene. Yeah, and in right. this scene, you sympathize. You not only believe, you sympathize with everyone's position that doesn't happen enough in these movies. And right. so maybe it's me watching too many new world movies that I'm easily convinced, <laughs> which I will, I will admit maybe that's the case. Yeah. But I really felt a lot of compassion and sadness. And I, I really felt for all these characters, this guy is basically accepting that you're going to kill me in the most painful way in order for me to help you live. It, it's really a great, it's a great scene. Yeah. Erica, favorite scene. Oh, I also really eloquently uh, will explain the scene <laughs> that I loved for a very deep reason. And that was the steam room, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now hear me out. I didn't just love the steam room because of the location of the steam room where it seems to be on the complete opposite side of the outpost from mm-hmm. where the bedrooms are. Like mm-hmm. Tracy walks through the entire outpost she, ship, yeah, whatever, you're right, she does. to get to the steam room, right. which I, th- I found just delightful. I was yeah. like, actually, this is a great way to show. And it's from behind her mm-hmm. and she's in her little short, like cute, going to steam outfit like it's great right but then when she gets in there the way it's shot and again like going back to you could have just kept 
kept it one shot and kept it on her because she's obviously like young, gorgeous. She's nude in the steam room. But I love that, uh, you know, Alan kept going like above her and like looking through the grates. And so you're like, okay, <laughs> what? Like, it just gave you this sense of dread of mm-hmm. 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 what's going to happen. Like, you, is it the creature that's watching her? Right. Is it something right. else? Is it, and you're just like, ah, like you're waiting for, you're waiting for something terrible to happen, but you don't want something terrible to happen, but you, you do. I love that she had sunglasses on in the steam room. <laughs> Was it bright in there? Why did she right. need the sunglasses on? I don't know. I just, there's so many great things about that scene that, you know, you think, oh, here we go. It's just going to be like a gratuitous nude scene, but it was like kind of funny and kind of scary. And then when Jesse Vint comes in and then it sort of is like, Ooh, is this going to turn a little, you know, get a little romantic here. And then boom, pull you right back into the, to the fear and kind of the, um, you know, the, these stressfulness or the anxiety of getting back to, Oh wait, yeah, there's this flesh eating mutant that's still yeah. in here. And I think for me, that scene really kind of made me really enjoy the character of Tracy because in this very, she, everyone should be absolutely on edge right now. We don't know where this thing is. It could be Mm -hmm. literally anywhere. Your boyfriend was killed by it. It dissolved his face. And you're like, I just have to like steam and chill out. (laughs) It made me like, that's her. That's her character. That's her youth her her ignorance her like let me just recenter and steam and everything's gonna be fine like it just that kind of character it it was so um so rewarding because you kind of love to hate her because she again like the actress has this sweet angelic young face that you're like oh you know this little ding dong on the outpost almost dropping the blood samples i don't know for me that really worked and then later I know this was something you hated, Mark, when she was just being chased and screaming. I'm like, of course, that's all she's capable of. Right. She isn't capable of courage or fighting back or thinking, Mm -hmm. how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to save myself? How might I save others? That's not where she's at. We've, she's not that character. She's not going to have that turning point Mm -hmm. here because she just, she's not that deep, which I thought was great. It was, it was just, that's my favorite scene. Yeah. So if, uh, just really quickly, if she was in steaming, would you like the movie better? <laughs> um, I don't know that anything will like make me like steaming. Um, would but... she be constantly screaming at the other ladies, just terrified Ooh. of them? Yeah, that would general. be a good, that just, would be a good uh, element. Racing yeah. around the steam room and <laughs> yeah. fear. Screaming. Yeah. Sunglasses everyone. on. Yeah. Yep. Upsetting everyone because she's wearing those sunglasses indoors. <laughs> Ryan, I, I there's too many to choose from, so I'm going to just mention a very odd scene that that. Um, but uh, you know, uh, we sort of somewhat mentioned this in our in our interview with Susan. But my friend organized a uh, put together a screening at the uh, um, Alamo Draft House in, in downtown LA of Forbidden World, and we brought Alan and Susan to watch it. And there was a scene that really stuck out that my friend Brett, who organized the event, he really noticed. And, and I think we all noticed because it just really stood out on the big screen. It really stood out. And it's that moment when they're brainstorming ideas on how to kill the monster. And there's this hamster that's in like that's in the foreground that's in this little cage and it's trying to like right, right, get right. up the yeah. steps. Yep. But they're all in the background trying to like 
talk this out. What do we do? How do we kill it? But you cannot help but watch this hamster and its struggles. <laughs> and like maybe the metaphor is a little on the nose, but I'm just like, that is such an interesting mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. And I really noticed it too. And Brett like brought it up afterwards and it was like, yeah, like when you say in the big screen, like you cannot get your eyes off that hamster. It's just like, <laughs> and it's just such a, like, it's just such a cool moment. And it's just not typical for an exploitation scene or something like that. Maybe right. you would have the monster look at the hamster and find it or, you know, right. something yeah. more along the line. Or you of, would have somebody just say like, we're all just like hamsters in a cage, like just right, say it right, rather than right. showing it, which is so like, but eh, I love the fact talks that they like that. show it and it's all kind of one shot and it's all the main characters are in the background. Yeah. And it's like the thing you're watching is this hamster. It's just like, that's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff this movie has. It's I think is yeah. it makes it sets it apart, you know, yeah. it makes it a little bit different. Yeah. All right, let's get into final questions. Here are our final questions for Forbidden World. The film starts with Mike Colby in a sleep chamber. Erica, how excited are you for the eventual oh invention my God. of this technology? I can't wait. Thank you for asking. My God, I, if you need investors, I'm in. Let's bring sleep chambers to every everyone, everywhere. Put some ice on my face, put my space heels on, and pop me into that sleep chamber. I'm ready for hypersleep, baby. <laughs> Set it to the max. Wake me up in 30 <laughs> years. Who cares? Oh, God. Um, Dr. Cal, he actually says when Jimmy, they find Jimmy, they say that he's actually technically alive. And then he puts him on the table and he sticks like these two vacuum tubes up to his sides. And then he just leaves them. What purpose are those tubes? I thought it was like their version of life support. You know? Maybe. It's just kind yeah. of keeping like the whatever vital organs were still functioning, functioning. So he could tr- maybe try to take a look at him. Cause it really only ate his face. So, I mean, I guess in theory it could have, as long as it didn't get his brain, he could have still been. Well, around. it did. No, it, it de- They talk about how his brain is gone, but that oh. he's still somehow alive. And it ends up being the fact that the alien is just trying to keep them all alive to turn them into protein that he would eat. But, oh, right. Um, <laughs> that alien's a juicer. <laughs> It's a juicer. Just trying to juice everybody. I have to figure that whole that whole process is stressful on the body. So he probably just needed some nice cupping to kind of get his body back feeling good. <laughs> he probably just needed a good steam. He needed a good steam and a cup. <laughs> Should have taken him to the yep. steam room. Um, if you were Sam 104, wouldn't you try to run off and find a way to move the off button? on yourself to a much more difficult to press location. Uh, I don't know if you have that ability to like move something. Like, I don't know if you can do that. God, do we like build robots without the ability to do surgery on themselves like that? I I think so. so. They're not able. I think that's the case. That's the fail safe. I think also she was like so aware of it that she was like, all right, turn me off. I know you'll turn me back on stupid human. You're going to need my help. See you soon. (laughs) (laughs) um okay once they feed the creature the tumor we got our two survivors here what do they do next steam or shower is this like mary kill fuck do they steam shower i'm just saying they're the last two survivors the creature's dead Mm-hmm. They got two options. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, which one did they choose? There's only two options do now. Do they steam? Do, do they, they steam? shower or they do they shortcake? <laughs> the shortcake's all done. That's all Damn eaten. It. That's already eaten. Damn it. Yeah, there's three options. I mean, are you saying that this is just going to lead to them having sex, 
Right? I mean, either yes. I mean, I would hope you're, they so the, the assumption first. of the question is that they are going to have sex. I in mean, which case, what else is next? It has to be next. Okay, okay. I'm saying I would have, I would have taken a, a rich, latherful shower. Yeah, he's got cancer hands. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, would have like. I would have done an iodine dip first, yeah. Then like some like some Irish spring to just kind of like. And then he had that ball some... cup on his mouth, mm-hmm. so I mean, yeah, he's got to clean up. That's what they do. I mean, if you're asking me, I'm going straight to hypersleep because <laughs> this has been a lot. <laughs> yeah, by the time I got out of my shower, yeah. she'd just be asleep in hypersleep. I'd be like, God damn it, you're like in hypersleep, and he's like, we're on a planet, we're not moving anywhere. You don't need to hypersleep till we get to the next Can't location. Hear right? you. I'm hypersleeping. I'm, I'm hypersleeping already. I'm hyper dreaming. Okay. Let's get into the research. Welcome to Ryan's research. Was that pretty good? It was great. In my mind it sounded like really good. Um <laughs> This was shot in 20 days for less than wow. 1 million. Wow. I'm assuming that the 20 days was after the initial 7 minutes after they shot that which they I think they shot in like a day. Yeah. Um so I'm assuming it's after that. Um it's released in May 1982. It's preceded by a couple foreign films, Three Brothers and Christian F. And then Slumber Party Massacre in February. Yeah. Uh, or actually in March. The other two were in February. Um, Battle Truck and Tag the Assassination Game in April. It's followed by Galaxy Express and The Calling, a.k.a. Bells, a.k.a. Murder by Phone, later that summer. A.k.a. I'm not looking forward to watching that one. Oh, it, it uh, let me tell you, I have looked into Murder by Phone. It is amazing. And there's two cuts to watch. Because, of course, Oof. it's a Canadian acquisition and Corman cut the heck out of it. And he only picked it up because it's Richard Chamberlain. Let's not get into all that now. But it looks amazing. Um, then there's like, it, it gets some pretty decent reviews. In fact, the, the Chicago Tribune declared, uh, quote, at last, a science fiction film that has it all. Sadism, masochism, voyeurism, and even a touch of lesbianism. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Two women taking a shower, I guess. I feel yeah, like I can... guess so. All right, I sure. I suppose. I suppose. Is that is that a good review though? I mean, it's interesting. You took that as a good review. Yeah, but you well, could also easily read that as like that's uh, that's the height right. of sarcasm. Right. You could. Yeah, that's true. You could have read that. Well, a, a variety said quite well crafted under the circumstances. That's the other review i feel like that is sarcasm <laughs> you know you know under the circumstances it was well crafted i mean that just feels like a real backhanded first compliment. one depending on how you say it could be sarcastic but i'm going to assume that it was positive because everything that was said there i agree with ah, finally okay. this movie brought it all together <laughs> um, I actually reached out to Alan Holzman and asked him a little bit about the humor that got cut mm-hmm. because when we did the screening he told me that he had a list of all the humor that got cut out mm-hmm. 
And so he wanted to share. We didn't we didn't end up talking about it. So I said, hey, well, what do you have that list? And let me let me talk about it. So just very quickly, a couple uh, cues of Blue uh, Danube are in the movie, in particular, when Jimmy is cleaning up the lab. And later on, when the girls try to communicate with the uh, mutant that's on top of the computer, he replaced those with more of Susan Justin's original music because he didn't like it because he felt like the Blue Danube Roger Corman didn't like it. Because he felt like it, it made it more again, made it funny, mm. um, and it was sort of like his uh, tribute to two thousand one, the Blue Danube stuff. So mm. maybe there was some element of that. Earl called the mutant a dingwopper in the first search scene, hmm. and apparently they talk about it later. So I don't understand why what mean what you're going to get out of cutting it, but I guess that got a laugh. Obviously, we talked about the robot voice. When the mutant uh, launches up to grab Doctor Hauser and pulls him into the to the grate, uh, Brian turns to Colby and says, "At least he took a stand." And Colby says, "Yeah, but in the wrong place." And that got cut. <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch in terms of the screaming mark. There's a symphony of screams. Cal and Tracy screaming. There was much more of back and forth of the two of them screaming and in ecstasy. In both in terror, but for their own different oh. reasons. Oh. So there was much of that. And they well. cut a lot of that. And a lot of the mutant chasing Tracy in the hallways, a lot of that was cut down. Oh, okay. um, Before Mark, uh, Mark, before Mike starts the operation on Cal with the knife, he offers Cal a cigarette, which he takes, and he lights the cigarette for him. That apparently got a laugh. So Roger was like, out. And then... Um, when he's reaching in to grab the tumor, Mike says here and Cal goes, no higher. And they cut that because that was a laugh line. The vomits where the mutant like pukes up all the vomit after the tumor. Right. That was a couple different shots. There's a couple shots of that. And it was funnier on the multiple takes according to Alan. So like, which was what he was intending. Like, you know, the, you keep seeing it and you keep seeing it just as like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. But he cut that. And um, the title, obviously, was changed to Forbidden World. Uh, Alan says that Roger title tested and most high school students at Fairfax and Hollywood High did not know what the word mutant meant. Six months later, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out and everyone knew. But Roger had Forbidden World in his pocket as a title he could use. Um, They also changed the tagline from Where the Slime Ends, the Blood Begins, which is on the original mutant poster. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the second version is the seed is planted, the nightmare grows to part alien, part human, all nightmare, which I believe is in the trailer. Um, but I wanted to share because we when we talked to Alan and please go back and listen to our interviews with Alan. But in the first one that we that we talked to him about, which is when we interviewed him for Grunt the Wrestling movie, mm-hmm. he talks about the story of the sneak that Alan or uh, that Roger rather hated and wanted to cut all the humor out of and he talked about a story of like roger coming up and slapping some guy in the audience that was laughing too much and the aftermath now i've been i was looking at this book today uh it's 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 a uh, a book roger corman blood-sucking vampires flesh-eating cockroaches and driller killers uh it's a book from um oh sorry uh, by it's written by beverly gray and in it, there was a slightly different version that she was told by um, Clark Henderson, who was the head of post-production at New World at the time and was a supervisor, post-production supervisor on, on Forbidden World. So just as I know we're playing a bit of telephone here, we're murdering by phone, but uh, this is 
her being told this by Clark Henderson. So this is what he described. I would encourage our listeners to go and listen to Alan Holzman's version. Before, this is his his quote, before Corman got past that little ticket booth, the guy ran out with a big popcorn container full of Coke and poured it on Corman's head and all over him, just drenched him in Coca-Cola. Corman started to swing. Julie desperately grabbed his arm. A burly theater manager, half, half Nelson, the assailant to the ground. Some of Corman's sturdier staff, staffers hustled their boss away. It was an episode that would quickly become legend. And I agree, it definitely would become legend, but... Alan's version is that, you know, Corman get, got the, the coke dunked on him and said, we're even now. So, yeah, and called it at that. Just saw that and thought, well, that's interesting. Here's somebody else's version. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, uh, do you print the truth or do you print the legend? That said, Cor- uh, Alan also provided me a few pages from his upcoming book, which is on Forbidden World and the backstage of it. And he has written out that story. And it's excellent. He tells it really well in our <laughs> podcast, but it's really, really good in the book. So when that book comes out, read his version of the story and you be the judge um, on what that story is. And anyway, that's the research. Awesome. So that's it. Forbidden World, guys. We got through it in our Forbidden World July. What a good movie. So good. This is a good oh, movie. Super good. Super good. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. I can only imagine that Wavelength is going to live up to this same nope. level. No, no. You don't know that yet, Mark. 50-50 shot. We've got a 50. Don't knock this down. I'm a doctor. Don't <laughs> knock my idea down. <laughs> wavelength could be friendly. You don't know. <laughs> okay, let's strategize about this. Let's do, we'll do it after that, the show. That's let's right. That's right. We'll do Guys, it. I'm just going to go talk to Wavelength and just relate to it. We're going to be fine. We're just going to chit-chat with it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. What did you guys think of Forbidden World? Make sure you share your thoughts with us. You can do so on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook, too. You can find us there. Whatever social media platform that you use, you can find us there. Uh, we're not on LinkedIn exactly, but you know, you try it. You never, you never know. Um, I mean, I, I'm on LinkedIn, but not for this podcast. Correct. The, the so. podcast is not on LinkedIn. No. So, uh, but we no. should, we should correct that. Um, yeah. could be a lot of people trying to hire this podcast for different jobs. You never know. <laughs> we that we're looking. What's that? Finally. Yeah. Finally. Let's get them. Let's get this podcast a job. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, And we'll see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody.